gonna do a little mic check right here. Yeah, yeah go for it. Maybe, uh, Zach, if you wanna, like, kind of align yourself with it, we're yeah. all kind of equally spaced. Space. Space. Yeah. Rutan, checking in. You want some trains? A to the lamb, checking in. This is Zach Hanna, you've reached the global frequency. This is Alexander Sheamus, I just arrived. Alright, here's, here's a question for you guys. Do you think that superhero comics today are trying too hard to be culturally relevant? Or are they not trying hard enough? Mm, interesting question. I'll admit, I was too busy trying to read this comic, and I completely zoned out what you were <laughs> saying. So his answer is not relevant enough. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. It, I think it depends on um, what context in which comics. I think there's, there's things that come down on both sides um, as being either, you know, attempting too hard to be relevant mm-hmm. or... or not trying hard enough. I do err on the side of, of trying a little bit too hard. That's a pattern that I'm seeing uh, more and more lately, but Where do you yeah, see maybe it? it's just me. Um, I see it with a lot of the newer Marvel stuff. Uh, for instance, uh, the whole Basically. thing with uh, Riri Williams and uh, the whole like changing of, of characters to sort of fit a certain mold. You mean Chinese. the diversity... Yeah, I'm trying to choose my words wisely. You mean like sexual diversity? And racial as well, yeah. I Which, would... Oh, go ahead. I was in the way that you were still I thought you were done. Sorry, I was going to say, I there's part of me that appreciates the effort, and I think uh, some of it does honestly come from a good place. Mm. Um, but I think there can be a point at which it can become a little dishonest and a little bit forced as far as the storytelling is concerned. So there's a difference between telling a story with a diverse and well-rounded cast and um, telling a story that is intentionally playing to a certain crowd or playing to a certain demographic or playing to a certain prevalent philosophy because you feel like that's what sells. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I sort of see that line becoming a little bit blurred. Mm-hmm. I get what Zach's saying. There's a little bit of it that's a little disingenuous in the sense that um, these are big companies and it's hard to imagine that they're doing this out of some sense of altruism. Um, fact of the matter is they're doing this because that's where the money is or that's where the market and the future is and that's what they want it to look like. I get that, but uh, I also think that good, competent writers have a way of telling those stories that introduce these characters and that bring in um, diversity in a way that isn't ham-fisted and that makes sense to to, to, to the readers. Uh, I, I do feel like um, there are instances where, like Marvel is probably the best example, but where the changes happen so fast and so furious that people kind of can't help but notice it mm-hmm. but so like maybe there's an argument for mm-hmm. a slow rollout but I also think that if you just look at that that action um, the, the recent actions of Marvel as just a blanket kind of act, 
action and just say, and just kind of look at it and say, well, this is all purely as a ploy or, or done purely as a ploy to appeal to the masses or whatever. To like, pander. To pander, exactly. I think you're missing the point because there are good, solid writers who, like, one example is Jason Aaron, Jason Aaron's Thor by mm-hmm. turning Thor into a woman. I don't think that that's anything... Um, like, I, I don't know what the seed of that story is. Like, I don't know if he got some sort of ed- editorial dictate or what, but Jason Aaron's not stupid, and he's found a way to make it work for him, and I think he's a solid writer, and I, I have full confidence in his ability not he, to be yeah, an idiot. He, he did a really great job with that. Yeah, uh, that's, exactly. That's definitely been one of the better Marvel comics, better one of the better superhero comics of the past couple years. Absolutely. He's run on Thor. Yeah, and... I'd say in lesser hands, someone could look at that and definitely look at that and say all they're doing is using the issue of diversity as a means of promoting themselves or promoting that agenda or the idea as opposed to promoting a good story. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think that that's anything necessarily malicious as much as it is just a example of how clumsy they are as writers. I, I agree. Um, you know, we, I think what we're not doing is sort of making a blanket statement about, you know, all all issues or all titles across the board. Um, mm-hmm. There are some, like you're saying, um, another another example of when it's done well being, you know, like Miles Morales or some of the new uh, Spider-Man stuff yeah. or some of the other new titles that are coming out. It's just like there's, there's a way to do that well, yeah. <laughs> and then there's a way to do it mm-hmm. not so well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't, also don't think it's necessarily even just comic books. Just I think the whole entertainment industry is doing that. I think uh, yeah. it was two years ago or so, Star Trek Three came out, Star Trek Beyond, yeah. and George Takai, who is famously homosexual and out about it, himself complained, "Why'd you make Sulu in that movie gay when historically speaking he wasn't gay in the original yeah. Star Trek?" Yeah. And you see these companies doing this because they think they see it's trending or. Mm. They're thinking, like, we'll make some sort of political or social statement, but it's really false flat because there was no meaning of purpose other than, like, we want to appeal or hand it to the masses. Yes. Yeah. It's just kind of like a like virtue signaling. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, so it does get to be um, also kind of a complex and multifaceted issue, though, because mm-hmm. obviously, as Shane has just mentioned, that's kind of the water we're swimming in at this point. That is the sort of zeitgeist that. Um, we happen to be in at the time. Yeah, but I don't think, I mean, not that this is like a counterpoint to what you're saying or anything, but I, I also don't think that it's necessarily, um, I think that like when, ultimately like when writers go out and if their only agenda is to like promote these issues without any real uh, attention to whether what they're writing is good or not, let's say, you yeah. know, just subjectively speaking. Um, I think it really kind of does more harm to, like, these issues than it does good. I was going to ask you, like, even though it's not necessarily the intent is not malicious, do, you ever, do, do they never contemplate the fact that the result could be offensive? That the poor handling of the subject matter oh, yeah, of course. is so superficial yeah. that those are trying to promote or give light to, yeah. they're in fact saying, uh, it's just so simplistic. Yeah. And that's all you are. Yeah. It, it really is a tightrope. Um, it's volatile in a sense. You're sort of playing with fire because you're either. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're either going to get it right and it's going to be really, really good, 
Um, another example maybe being Black Panther, recent like really really big success, right? Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> you get it wrong and it's it's really really bad, like mm-hmm. to the point where it can destroy your career. Yeah. So it's you know you're, you're taking a little bit of a risk whenever you go out on a limb like that. Yeah. I do feel like as consumers of pop culture though we can afford to have a little bit of leeway because um, even when someone does something that is kind of let's say tone deaf. Right, like uh, Mark Wade wrote this story called uh, "Strange Fruit," where, yeah, it was something that was kind of meant to be. Um, it was meant to be, I guess, uplifting to you know the black community, and I think just the way that he put it was off-putting because he really kind of draped it in this language, and like the story in and of itself, I didn't, me personally, I didn't really see anything about it that was offensive, offensive yeah. per se, right. in and of itself, but. Um, but I do think that a lot of the press that went around his release of that story and how he talked about how it was like, oh, this is, you know, really something that's supposed to speak to these people and, like, it's supposed to, like, do this, this, and this. Yeah, and, you know, and I don't even remember exactly what he said. I just remember that <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people got <laughs> mad on the internet uh, yeah. because they felt like here's another white man trying to speak for a community that he's not a part of. Yeah. Which... I mean, I, I get it, um, but, but on one hand, you know, there's there's always that history of how many times is the white man going to get another man's culture wrong, right? Yeah. But then there's also the just the simple concept that, you know, if you're a skilled writer, you shouldn't be limited to telling stories that are solely yeah, <laughs> centered yeah, yeah, yeah. around your own ethnicity, exactly, right? Exactly. So. Um, the interesting thing about that story, I did read it and I did... I enjoyed it. I thought it was it was a really well told story. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of elements in there that really resonated with me. I mean, not just at like a racial or political level, but at a human level. Yeah. And that's mostly what the story is about. It's like taking a microcosm, right, of what is um, an aspect of human history and, and sort of universalizing it, sort of um, taking it to a higher level where it becomes a, a statement kind of about the human condition, yeah. about uh, some of the ways in, in which we look at each other and some of the ways in which um, perception can damage the relationship between yeah. people. Yeah. It, I thought it was well done in the sense that um, you remember the ending, correct, Albert? Um, I, I believe, I believe the, <laughs> the hero, doesn't he... Give, him, give his life up to save the community. Yeah. And bring yeah. him, in a sense, together because there's a big flood and, like... Yeah. Yeah, and so the catch after that, though, is that he's totally written off. He's not remembered. He's not yeah. honored at all. And it's sort of covered up, like, oh, uh, the president saved the day and, you know, we, we came up with this program and it was so great and it helped the people. So it's sort of, like, you know, the, uh, the it quote... Obs- it was obscuring the uh, heroes of of the ethnic history of, in this country who mm. pioneered and fought for unification when people weren't even aware that this is a thing that could be. Right, so it's like at the end of the story, the hero gets eclipsed, and I think maybe people who read it and were offended, um, maybe that's what they took issue with. Mm. The thing is, people were offended before the story was exactly. even completed. They were offended yeah. when they were offended the first at how he rolled it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was so, how he talked about it, I think. Or, okay. Perhaps that's less yeah. of the story than him I think not so. having it. What he's saying and how that really is being heard. I think if Mark Wade had just written the story and not said anything about it and not made this like giant statement about how this is supposed to like be something for that community. But did he really go out and just be like, 
I'm calling a press conference. All y'all come that's, there and listen okay, to me. That's true. Like, no, I mean, he was in an interview. So, yeah. And he was just speaking about what he I, believed I, he was doing. I would really have to go back and listen yeah. to the context, the full context of his original statements. Yeah. Because I know how often uh, things like this get misconstrued or blown up out of yeah. proportion. And, you know, people take a snippet of something he said out of context and then they make it sound like he's just this guy who's he's got a messiah complex yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and i think that's kind of what the whole furor was about where they were upset that uh it was they were they got people he's got a, the impression yeah. that it was going to be he's another story <laughs> yeah that he was a white man who's going to tell the story about oppressed people yeah <laughs> yeah exactly the other thing that i wanted to mention earlier was I do think there's a difference between someone who's who tells a story like this, and even if it's not good, but if they're receptive to like the criticism, mm -hmm. like I I can respect that more than someone who's adamant about their idea of like how how virtuous or how good they are in writing this story, you know? Yeah. Like if they're like if Mark, so if you stop someone like Mark Wade and said, hey, um, I don't think that's probably the most sensitive way to talk about it or the most like it's not the way to discuss it in the best light or something i think he'd be open to like discussing it or yeah. even like learning from that right yeah and and even even that said um just taking an honest objective assessment of the story yeah that's really not the impression that i got from it yeah. at all you know that being the first thing the second thing is you know we're, we're all different kinds of people we yeah. don't always get it right you know i could be interacting with someone I'm else pretty good i was perfect obviously that's a given but you, you've never offended me with any of your racial comments exactly eskimos I, and chips <laughs> <laughs> nice you said it i did i mean speaking out of context too like one of the more recent events was that that was a starbucks issue where two African American gentlemen were waiting for a colleague or those for a meeting. Yeah. They were there for like a little, I think an hour or over an hour and they and they hadn't bought anything and the employee Starbucks said, If you're not gonna buy anything, we have to ask you to leave. You can't just use our facilities. Mm -hmm. And it became this whole like internet outcry and perceived as this racist thing and it's like the employee was just simply informing them of the of the company policy that you're not gonna buy anything here. Yeah. You cannot be here and it had nothing to do with the race. Now it can be perceived that way, but there was nothing in the statement of that the employee gave, nothing in that that was racist or racial. Yeah. But you know, if you can have, if you can create a fight, why not do that, right? So yeah. That. And that's it, like you said, it's literally policy. You go into any Starbucks, or at least before that. Before happened. that, yeah. now yeah. now <laughs> you can walk in off the street, you can be a homeless person, and just use your facilities for five hours, and they can't yeah. say anything about it. Yeah, and that was part of the reason they had the policy um, before yes. that. But but I say that to say that um, sometimes. It can be more constructive if you can. You know, you may not always be in a situation where you can, but if you can, to observe the context and focus maybe on the intent behind the action or the Absolutely. the statement or whatever. You may not always get the words right, but mm -hmm. if it's if it's not coming from a bad place or if someone isn't trying to start a fire, then why make one? Yeah, sometimes people can make mistakes, and when you just attack them, then you're just creating sides, and sometimes yeah. all you really need to do is just talk about things and investigate. Yeah. But yeah. while wow, we're really delving into territory that's not even comics now, <laughs> but but uh, I wanted to go back yeah. to um, you know where we started in terms of comics. You know, we're we're talking about 
culturally relevant comics, and then that went directly to how diversity is this whole issue, um, especially as you guys brought up in Marvel comics, you know, just to tick them off, you know, we had a female Thor, we have uh, Miles Morales as Spider-Man, we had a Falcon that was yeah, Captain we had, America, we had a black Captain yeah. America, we have, uh, well, we had a black Captain America before that too. We have, but you know, when you put it all together and you when look you, at when it, when you actually call the comic Captain America mm. and it's mm. Sam Wilson in the suit, yeah. And holding the shield and everything. Mm. Some people got mad. There's a Asian American Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> well, hang on. This was, one. This one I don't know about. There was yeah. the uplifting of Captain Marvel from mm-hmm. uh, Marvel from going from Marvel to Carol Danvers. Yeah. There's yeah. that. There's also uh, Zach mentioned uh, Iron Man, right? Uh, yeah. Riri Williams. Williams is Ironheart. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there are more. There's, there's probably more. I think they promoted a bunch of comics that weren't necessarily like gender swapped, but like had prominent female uh, writers and mm-hmm. characters on them. So like Mockingbird, uh, there was a huge yeah. kerfuffle surrounding the writer and that comic. Yeah. I, mean, like, I personally didn't see what the big so there was a Mockingbird miniseries. Uh, I forget if it was one or two years ago, but it's fairly recent. Uh, I mean, considering how old we are. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think one of the issues of Mockingbird... The cover says, Ask me about my feminist agenda. Yeah, Mockingbird's yeah. wearing a t-shirt that says, Ask me about my feminist agenda. Yeah. Okay. And then a bunch of people on the internet Just got, got really upset and basically <laughs> yeah. got the writer fired. And yeah. like she hasn't worked in comics since, as far as I know. Yeah. Just because of the cover? I think, yeah, I guess it was poking the bear, but, like, I don't even know if... Personally, like, I don't... I had no interest in Mockingbird yeah. to begin with, so I actually wow. never read it. Yeah. But I, but I, I really think only that was the thing that made me not interested in it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. If anything, I was more interested in reading it just <laughs> to see what the controversy yeah. was. Yeah. But what about at the same time, like, the... As much as trying to make... The by mixing up the, the traditional... Uh, ethnic and gender roles that mm-hmm. are associated with the characters, but also, like, when we see comic books, I think of comic book movies as well as being in that fold, and we had Doctor Strange, what, a couple years ago? Yeah. And the ancient one was a Celtic yeah, woman. Yeah, her... And I was like, and I thought, I... Ethnicity. And I'll admit it, as, as, I was like, I thought that was a bit of an odd choice. It didn't actually make sense why a Celtic woman would be uh, mm. the source of all, like, uh, Asian yeah, knowledge. that was. Yeah. I thought that was kind of yeah. offensive, honestly. And okay. the Thanks, thing, man. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. <laughs> I was offended. Thanks for being my white savior, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> the other thing that I thought was weird, and it, it's kind of that thing that they do with gangs, also, right? So, so here we are in like this Tibetan monastery, and then it's just all sorts of people are mixed in there. That that was kind of weird to me, where yeah. it wasn't like just all you know, Tibetan monks or whatever, you had, like, people of all sorts of walks of life that apparently just came there and found this place. And, like, when I say, when I was talking about gangs earlier, it's like, again, like, when you see movies where they have, like, gangs and they ignore the fact that there are, like, straight Latino gangs or (laughs) African-American gangs or whatever, and, like, you have these, like, multi-ethnic gangs where they're, like, really friends, like, 
we hate everybody else, but we're good to each other. <laughs> and it's just like, wait, how exactly did these guys form a gang? <laughs> that white supremacist group has, like, I think there are three Mexicans in there, and uh, they have a Japanese accountant. I don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> I actually love seeing that. It amuses me so much because I'm just like, you know, what did what did those three guys have to do to yeah, get into the gang? Like, exactly. Okay. This is the most politically correct gang I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's that whole process like? We can talk about uh, Heimdall and Thor as well, which yeah. the guys the guy's a good actor. I yeah. like him. Oh, I, I like him in that role. Yeah. But it's just like at the same time, am I going to be mad if there isn't a black guy in a movie about Norse mythology? Yeah. No, like, no. It, it doesn't, if they're all Norse, yeah. that would make sense to me. Agreed. You know? Don't forget, Hogan the Grim was Asian. But the weird thing about that was, he always sort of looked Asian, even in the comics. He looked that's, Mongolian that's or something. That's so, like, I was yeah. like, okay, that was well, kind of okay with it. Because he had, he had, like, the, that weird, like, I don't know what... The, the, the Mongolian goatee Yeah, the Mongolian thing. goatee, and he had that, you know, that hat that looked like a Genghis Khan hat. Yeah. I have no idea what it's called. So, like... I well, guess the other thing got to remember is that the, the Asgardians in the Marvel universe they're not exactly Nordic the Nordic <laughs> yeah. right you know they're they're extra dimensional creatures so yeah, okay, I, okay. I guess I can kind of buy the fact that I can kind of buy the idea that they're multi-ethnic but it's it's not my first instinct to yeah. imagine them but even like what would multi-ethnic mean for like aliens outside Exactly or, exactly yeah. Yeah. exactly you don't see any Asgardians with purple skin or anything, do you? Nope. No. I can't think of any. No. no. They all just look like human beings. Yeah. In fact, most Mars are essentially human beings who don't have powers. They just happen to have grown up in this Asgardian realm. Yeah. They're just denser and longer lived. Yeah. yeah. So. Going back to the whole concept of uh, the Marvel characters, all these uh, big-name superheroes again quote-unquote, replaced with uh, gender swapping or ethnicity swapping. I do think that the outrage is pretty absurd. Uh, and here's a couple reasons why. So just for a quick question, yeah. the outrage, the outrage against it? Uh, outrage against from, the, from the traditional fans, like, Kevin Burke can't be black, or yeah. Thor can't yeah. be one? Okay. Yeah, I think, I think that's... I think to have that sense of outrage against the way they're making the comics now, it's pretty silly, and if that's the reason why you don't read Marvel comics, I think it's... There's something distasteful about that. Um, I just think it's a little childish, really, because when you when you really think about uh, the Marvel characters, and not, not just Marvel, but superheroes in general, they're constantly getting replaced by new characters, and then after some point, after some time, yeah, they, they always go back to the way things were. They're, it's always going to be Peter Parker as Spider-Man, you know? It doesn't matter, you know, how how much uh, popularity Miles Morales gains. There's there's always going to be a Peter Parker. Steve Rogers is going to be Captain America. Yeah. Thor is going to be the Odin son. Yeah. That's just the way it is. And, yeah. and it, what this really makes me think of, is how back in the early 90s when DC tried to replace all of their heroes. Do you remember that? I was, just, I was thinking exactly that. Night, Nightfall with yeah. um, Death of Superman. Death of Superman mm -hmm. also. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Mortal Woman died and she was replaced by another... Well, Hippolyta. She, that was uh, like the late 90s or early 2000s. That was a different story. But Wonder Woman did 
lose a uh, battle for the mantle of one Diana lost the battle yeah. for the mantle of Wonder Woman. And so Artemis, Artemis yeah. 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 So you had a red haired Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh you had Superman replaced by four people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh during the reign of the Superman you had Batman replaced by Azrael. Yeah. You had uh <laughs> And they was replaced by the Grayson actually not long thereafter. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You had Hal Jordan replaced by Kyle Rayner. Yep. Yeah. You had uh, Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow, replaced by his son. Connor Hawk. Connor Hawk. An Asian. Half Asian. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't find that out until last week. Last time I came in shadow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was, um... I didn't, know, I didn't even know he had a son. We yeah. Saw Connor Hawk, remember? No, yeah. I'm, I'm with Janice on that one. I, I never knew about Connor Hawk. Yeah, I guess if you don't... If you didn't follow he's, comics back then, there's no yeah. reason to... I mean, I read the Shadow storyline, and I recall her having a child, but I just forget that they even brought him back or anything. Just mm -hmm. I think he was a pretty significant chunk of that era's Green Arrow. The yeah, he was. The 90s, but ultimately forgettable. <laughs> he had his heyday, he had his moments, but once I think when DC ended up... Uh, Changing their continuity and all that. I don't think he's shown up ever since. But then again, I don't read Green Arrow, so I don't, I don't really know yeah. what's going on there. But anyway, um, all that to say, I think even back then when DC replaced all of their heroes, I think people were upset. Yeah. Granted, there wasn't the there internet, wasn't outrage. There wasn't Twitter. Yeah. There wasn't stuff like that on social media where people could congregate and, and start a movement to get writers and people fired and stuff like that. But there was definitely outrage. Yeah. That was clear from the fandom. You go to a comic shop or read a magazine or something like that. People weren't too happy about it. Yeah. And I don't think... I think the reason why people were unhappy back then is kind of the same reason why they're unhappy now. is because DC was doing something different. Yeah. Marvel's doing something different now. Um, and if there's one thing that you know about fanboys, they hate change. Yeah. Uh, they just like the illusion of change. They I like think, the illusion of change. I think that's like, like they have some share of the ownership of the characters because they've been buying the comics for so long. They're like, they, I feel, they like feel they, very self-entitled. Yeah. 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 I was actually just going to bring that up. I don't know if you guys have read... Um, I think it's I think it's either Demo or it's... No, no. It's the one... Where, what is the one where the girl is going basically across the U.S.? Local. Local. Local by yeah. Brian Wood and Ryan Kelly. Yeah, there's this really good issue of local, uh, again, by Brian Wood, where like they're discussing exactly that thing. She runs across this guy who used to be in a band, and people are you know, kind of outraged that his band has changed its sound, and they're doing a different kind of music now. That's a perfect about. analogy, because that's mm -hmm. kind of... That happens all the time. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. about like Linkin Park as an example. Like I think I saw this interview with uh, Mike Shinoda, where he talked about it, and he was talking about how they released this new album. And like all the old fans are like, man, you guys have sold out. You guys have changed. But they, and then, but what he said was, look, we're artists. We want to change our style. Sometimes we want to. We don't want to do the same thing all the time. Exactly. So the outrage, in a sense, yeah, can come from a selfish area where yeah. it's like, y'all well, don't own Mike Shinoda. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> they're, they're not doing what I think they should do. Yeah. They're not making the music or the comics or the art yeah. that I think they should make. They're not doing what I remember them doing. And it's like, well, two things. One, he's an artist. He's entitled yeah. to change his own work exactly. when he feels like it. Two, it's not about you. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's the exactly. artist. Exactly. Exactly. artists we hear about or go to and see museums, we see the evolution of our art. They explore and try to conform the yeah. styles. 
Yeah. And they find it on voice, and even then, like they did for a number of years, like, they explore something else. Yeah. Uh, all about art is all about exploration, just like any other field is. And to tell somebody, you have to do what you've been doing is, you don't control them. You don't yeah. tell them how they should experience life or, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah. if you can't appreciate what they're doing, then <laughs> probably just, a bad audience. Like, I'm them. sorry that the world is changing around you, and yeah. it's just reminding you that you're getting older and dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a crime to, to like or dislike something for, yeah. Yeah. you know, whatever reason. It's just like, you know, hey, if you don't like a specific kind of music or But it is silly to start an entire movement to try to, like, yeah. destroy their lives just because that's, you think that it's an affront to everything that you believe. That's over the top. No, yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's but if it's coming from... <laughs> I agree. But if it's, <laughs> if it's coming from that place of, of entitlement, um, perhaps it would be more constructive to look at the changes that are happening and, and try and understand and appreciate the journey that the artist is taking as an artist um, rather than just sort of straight out of the gate, hey, that's different, I don't like that. Yeah. Like, it's not his problem that you're yeah. afraid of change, right? <laughs> <Or> you <laughs> like it. It's great, you don't like it. Go to something else. Yeah, yeah. Fine. No, it's, hey, you're uncomfortable. Spend yeah. some time wrestling Daniel Way will always be it. Daniel Way. You can always go and read one of his comics. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I yeah. hope you like eating cat food. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, sometimes you gotta have the have the freedom to let things challenge you a little bit, you know? Yeah. And even even an art form as crassly commercial as corporate-owned superhero <clears throat> comics. I think even then, what you guys said has merit, you know, because cause I don't, again, I don't know if all these changes are due to editorial mandates or if it's just a coincidence that all these different writers wanted to do something different with the titles that they were writing. Mm-hmm. But I think if you take each individual series and you actually take the time to, to read them, some of them really are good, you know. Like I wouldn't, I don't have any hate for uh, Jason Aaron's Thor. We just talked about how how great that series is. Mm. The Miles Morales stuff that Bendis wrote—that's top-notch stuff. That's some yeah. of the best superhero comics that you can read. Remender wrote Captain America when uh, the Falcon took over, and yeah. he's a solid writer. He's, yeah. he's a good dude. He knows what he's doing. Exactly. I, I have faith in Rick Remender. Bendis when he was doing Iron Man and he in- introduced Riri. He did some good stuff. Like that was, those were some good comics too. Like there's, there's, if if we're if we're comparing uh, this era of Marvel comics to the '90s era of DC comics, and they changed all their heroes, hands down, the quality on the Marvel side is like way better. You know. Yeah. Well, from what, because I haven't read these stories, and I haven't read comic books in a while since like my trades have gotten in my vast library of things I'm still trying to catch up on. But from what I'm hearing, all you describe is you have these writers who wanted to try something different but didn't just make a superficial change of saying hey we're gonna like new, new number one a new thing is happening to sell their comics they're saying they're saying you want to explore an idea mm-hmm. or a theme and they're going to do this through the vehicle of these new characters and understand how they interact and relate to this superhero world versus I, yeah. go back to the 90s and it's like well if we kill superman and give four new supermen to the world that will sell issues and those those stories i read them you know what recently in the past 10 years as an adult I'm like yeah, I can see why as a kid I thought that was cool, but as an adult, like God, this is this is some awful story writing. Like, <laughs> n- nothing makes sense. There's no purpose for this, yeah. and just just feel you just feel really empty. And like, and in that sense, I'm outraged. Like, why did you change the characters? Like, there was no yeah, need for exactly. this. But then you're you're outraged because it was a bad comic, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not outraged because what they made Superman, Superman four people. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's blue now? <laughs> what is this? He's a cyborg? I'm more after the fact that I spent money on these stories that were just terrible. Well, yeah, I mean, that's self I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think the writers make their changes. Like, sure, we'll make fun of them and complain about it, but then the game's like, that's that's what they want to write about. I just don't have to, I don't have to buy it and read it. Exactly. 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 And here's the thing that I, I wanted to add, which is, like, I can see how people can look at these uh, the actions of these uh, companies to like do all this and to make all these changes as gimmicky, and I'm I'm not even gonna deny that it's gimmicky because it is because they make mm-hmm. a lot of hype about it. Yeah. But I can have two ideas that exist in my mind. Something can be gimmicky and can still have worth or value. Right? Yeah, it can still be, merit. Yeah, exactly. It can still be good. It can still have artistic merit. That's fine. Like it's up to me as a reader to see beyond the gimmick. And to see the quality in it, right? Right. So it's like Shanus was saying. So on the face of it, for Superman, the death of Superman, and you know the subsequent four Supermen that take his place, it's a gimmick, right? But because the guys that wrote it, I can honestly say probably weren't very good. Those are stories that aren't going to have too much value to me now as an adult. But now, if, like, say you've got some good writers on it, and they like collaborated well together to tell like this comprehensive story from all four of those perspectives that could actually tell you something about what Superman is about or who he is and how like you know by missing Superman we we learn more about what Superman mm-hmm. is about all right I'm I'm on board with that okay like if you can get a quality writer to tell that story I'm on board with that yeah it's an interesting kind of dichotomy because yeah. you're what we're essentially describing, I think, is kind of a difference uh, in the paradigm in the approach to the craft, right? Like, one approach is very... I hesitate to call it mechanical, but it's more like you're you're turning knobs, you're pushing, you're pulling something. Mm -hmm. Hey, this piece doesn't work, let's take it out, blah, blah, blah. So it's it's almost like looking at it as a machine versus letting it sort of evolve as more of an organic life form that actually involves human beings, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there are these characters and there's these kind of ordinary people but in extraordinary situations and how do they react to that what do they learn about themselves how do they feel about it how does this affect people like how does one character go from one point to to where he or she ultimately ends the character arc right there's a whole like human element in it that i think for at least more mature readers probably is the thing that pulls people in and, and keeps us interested because it's the, the part of us kind of that we identify with and that we see in ourselves, right? So there's that whole personal element of the story that can be lacking if it's just sort of done as kind of like, oh, hey, we need to put this in a story or make the story work a certain yeah. way, like like fixing a car or something. Yeah. It, it's kind of not that simplistic, yeah, you know? it isn't. And unfortunately, comics, like you said, is the way it is. They're corporate comics now, right? Mm-hmm. So there is going to be a lot of tinkering, and there is going to be a lot of... We're, we're in an age of editorially driven comics. Yeah. I think it's been like that for at least the past ten years or so. It's been like that, I think. I, I think more recently than, like, the way the movie the movie was shopping happened to, where it's no longer just anything, a single writer. Yeah. There was a time when writers were so well-respected that a writer would come with a script, and the director would use it as it was. Now you have written by ten different people, but two yeah. things are on it because they were the original or mm-hmm. main. They're the ones who get the credit. The ones yeah. who get credit, and it was just this mishmash of like, it's really nobody's story. It's like okay, mm. this is, I don't know. Just it feels like the integrity of storytelling. Just yeah. 
to be fair, I do think that comics, the way that they were published, it, it does kind of go in waves where, like, like, like you said, in the 90s, there was this period it was where... It art-driven Yeah, era. exactly. And then yeah. the early then 2000s, it, it was a writer... It was a writer-driven era. Now we're in an editorially-driven era. Yeah. Well, the stories as well were very, uh, very plot-driven. They skewed more towards plot than character-driven. Hey, let's do this, like you said, gimmick. Hey, there's going to yeah. be four Supermen. Hey, there's a bunch of Spider-Man clones. Yeah. Blah blah blah. <laughs> let's, let's just throw something in there. I forgot about that, and then maybe you think about it again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Trust me, I spent so much time and stayed awake nights trying to forget about that. <laughs> it never works. Yeah. All right. So, uh, any other good. final thoughts? What do you think about ComicsGate? <laughs> what? Do you want my Ouch. honest opinion? Ouch. Oh, wait, Shannon, do you know what ComicsGate is? I've been so out of loop of everything. I've been so busy with grad school that I, I, I feel this is somehow like some sort of scandal because the, the everything I thing Gate I picked mm-hmm. up. It's some scandal referencing Watergate or yeah. something like that. So Drop some knowledge on him. So it's called Comicsgate because Richard Nixon was stealing money from. Go- no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was waiting to see where it yeah. <laughs> I was interested. You have to have the edge of my seat, man. So, um, I guess in recent years there's been a lot of um, similar sort of what's the word? Uh, similar sort of movements. I don't. Yeah, I guess it's movement. So the. There have been reactionary movements in video games, and now more recently we see it in comics where, uh, again, so the the earlier topic of discussion that we had was about how the comics industry is making more of an effort to, you know, seem more diverse, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I don't know how genuine this, uh, this, uh, this action is, but... You know, however you view it, that that's what they're doing, right? So they're... they're putting in more um, di- racial diversity as well as gender diversity and what have you. So as of lately, there have been some personalities on social media and who tied into the, I'd say the, the I guess the attitude of the times uh, of the cultural, just uh, whatever the cultural attitude, um, uh, temperament of societies right now, the, they, what they've done is these personalities have, I guess, fashioned movements where they've used their platform to strike out against specific writers or editors or even the publishers of these comics by essentially saying that, uh, you know, we don't view uh, this movement to add more diversity as a good thing and we want our we want our superheroes back and we want Captain America to be Steve Rogers, we want Thor to be the Odinson. The Odinson and you know, Iron Man has to be Tony Stark. So the way things work. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. this exactly. is kinda of related to what the previous talk was. Yeah, have you ever heard of a uh, gamer gate? No. So, oh, oh sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. mm-hmm. Well, the thing the, the thing that I wanted to add is not only are they using their platform to like, you know, make a scene about this, but they are, I would say, actively the, harassing they harass people, harassing um, again writers or uh, individuals within the industry. To that seems a bit silly. I mean, it's, it's going back to our previous discussion. Yeah. It's like, okay, you don't like these changes, 
don't buy the comic books. Or start your own. Yeah, I mean, and and if, if enough some people, of them actually do, yeah, and yeah, and if yeah. enough people don't want to buy the comic books, that the, that the and this is a company that wants to make money, like okay, we should go back yeah. and do what people want to buy. Then so be it. it's a market driven thing. Yeah. But making a whole movement out of it seems like a bit overkill. Like let these artists do what they want to do, yeah. even if it's editorially driven. Yeah. If if you don't like it, you let don't the buy dollars it. speak for it. Well, yeah, yeah. and I mean, yeah. at the end of the day. Comic book guys, yeah. that's a yeah. lot of that's a lot of like yeah. energy and yeah. time to put into hating on. Well, but I do think it's an extension of a bigger battle that's going on in the country, and like for to some degree, it's people internalizing whatever um, dissatisfaction they're feeling with you know mm-hmm. society at large, and they're okay. channeling it here because <sighs> it I, feels like a way for them to get some wins in. Yeah, and for them, like I would even go as far as to say, for some of them, they feel like this is. This is their line in the sand, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like you know, they're not going to necessarily go to war or anything overseas and defend the country, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, comic books is the one thing you don't mess with. Yeah. And from from the standpoint of uh, having someone's dishonest or disingenuous agenda yeah. forced down your throat, I can, I can almost sympathize with it. Like I'm saying, if that's what they're seeing. Yeah. But as we just discussed, I mean, that's not necessarily what's going on. Not but, in all cases anyway. But the other thing is, and this is, I don't think this is quite as obvious, but I think there are a lot of people who are taking advantage of this uh, movement or the the, the the attitude that's, uh, that's permeating the, the culture right now to try to use it for their own personal gains. Wait, you're saying that there are trolls in this world? No, that's not what I, I mean. It's it's different between a troll and someone who like actively makes money off it. I'd say a troll. I don't think a troll necessarily. I think ultimately it leads there if they like, right. you know, they drive just, it right. I guess. Yeah, there's but, trolls and then there's profiteers. Yeah, there we go. I think a profiteer yeah. is probably the more accurate. Trolls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but there. Uh, look, there's a genuine troll out there who's literal. Who's I believe is someone who's just angry and who's just going to send whatever messages that they're, they're going to send. That, that, in my mind, is a troll. But then there are people who disingenuously feel that way, but who also know that there's a market in this that they can use to their advantage to gain profits. But I say I think those are still trolls because they're still exacerbating the situation because they're getting something out of it. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, okay, so the thing is, I would question whether... I guess for me, the question is whether they actually believe in what they're saying. Oh, or whether I don't think they believe it. I think they just see a lot yeah, of Exactly. Profit. But then there's the type of troll who generally, generally, genuinely sees this as, you know, his holy war. Actually, I think, <laughs> actually, I think when you think about, when I think about trolls, when you think about, like, internet trolls, yeah. almost predominantly all of them are the ones who actually don't believe in the idea. But they just like to see people's reactions. Yeah. That's true too. Saying. Okay, yeah. you know what? You're right. I, I do agree with that. There yeah. is the I think that people actually, I think that people yeah. actually generally believe what they say. Yeah. Even though we might say like this is a little overkill. If it's coming from a pa- place of passion, which I can respect in that frame. Yeah. Then those who jump on board and like what is they can make something out of this. <laughs> yeah. And just create more mayhem, and then and that seems like okay. And then then you get then that initial message gets lost in that mayhem too. And, oh, and like, just some people because, just want to see the world burn. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the French Revolution, man. There's there's zealots, there's trolls, and there's opportunities. <laughs> I think that's actually a pretty good analogy. <laughs> like, you know, the the downfall of empires eventually leads from or stems from um, trolls. Not necessarily. Like, I, I'm sure they were called something different at the time, but like people who didn't. 
believe in the government. Rebel rousers. Revolutionaries. Yeah, revolutionaries. Rebels, you know. Uh, so, is that what comic skaters are? Freedom fighters? <laughs> no. Re- rebels without a cause. <laughs> They're liberators. They're no shit talkers. <laughs> Or they're just shit themselves. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you know, bottom line, it's, someone's always going to be saying something that someone else doesn't like. So yeah. it's in a sense, in that sense, it's not like this is a new yeah. thing. But like, what's his name? Uh, diversity in comics. Oh yeah, diversity in comics. So I so, forgot his real name. Yeah. So there's a guy online whose Twitter handle is diversity in comics, and he. He uses that mockingly because he's not about diversity in comics at all. He's really just a guy who, on the face of it, makes the argument that, oh, I want comics to be the way they were. I don't, you know, he's, he's really just this dude who doesn't... Every hero has to be straight, yeah. white male. Every woman has to have just massive bazooms and has to look... They can't have way. a mannish haircut. Yeah. And, yeah. But uh, my point in just bringing him up was just... Like, he's got a massive following right now, and I'm sure he's trying to turn that into a way to make money for himself. I think he does make money. Yeah, like, it wouldn't... I don't yeah. know what he does, but... I I'm, think he has a Patreon or something. Yeah, I believe... He has yeah. a lot of supporters. Yeah, and they give him money. Yeah. And a lot of the time, these people give money, and I don't even think that they know what they're <laughs> buying into, That, but they're just happy to give him money because they feel like... He's taking paying, a stand against the man. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, the, it's what we have these days where you don't have to work for what you earn. Yeah. The guy, I think, I would say he's pr- he probably knows exactly what he was doing when he started off. He- oh, yeah. Well, opportunist, right? It's, he's it's, an opportunist, it's, definitely. It's one of the smartest things to make everybody yeah. else work for what you want, yeah. right? I don't, I, don't, I don't blame him for that part. Yeah, no, much. it's just good business. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you blame him for that? I don't... I think there's more than enough blame to go around. <laughs> I, I can. I think I would blame the people that that financially support him. Oh, for sure. I, that, yeah. that I will go with. I, 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 I don't know if this is if blaming him is necessarily the correct way to put it. As much as I don't, I don't hold anything against him for doing that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's really no sense in it from my angle. Um, there aren't. It it's just human beings being human beings. Like, yeah. none of us are perfect. We're all going to act. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm better than him. <laughs> well, no, no, nobody's disputing that here. Huh? Nobody's disputing that here. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, thank you. That's like the <laughs> nicest thing you've ever said about me. <laughs> I'm way better than him. <laughs> oh. That's a given. I already knew that, Albert. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm not, well, I'm not for myself <laughs> claiming a position of moral superiority. It's just... Some people. Why not? It's fun. We'll come. We'll come for you. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't need to claim it, Zach. We already know you're better than him. Yeah. Some people have certain opinions, and then others have opinions that oppose those. Yeah. So some know, people just... have opinions that are just flat out wrong and stupid. Yeah. Some people. Are some scum. opinions are gross, and we have to like call them out if it's yeah. gross. <laughs> come on. <laughs> so I, I just think it would be interesting to see how it plays out yeah. because obviously this guy has a massive following, but um, can he sustain it? Yeah, well, and there's there's a lot of other people, obviously. He's going to sustain it only as long as people can maintain their anger or people find new material to troll off of. Yeah. At yeah. some point, it's going to hit its peak and then it's going to be like, hey, this is going on long enough, nobody cares anymore, we're going to move on to the next big thing and That's make money true. off that. People, well, two things. One, I do think that people <laughs> do get tired of being angry after a certain point in time. You can only sustain that level of anger for so long. I mean, unless you're me and Drew, we have like a cold simmer of anger. So. That's because we've been alone most of our lives. Yeah. Like all of our lives combined. 
Yeah. Drew's pretty much sustained by his anger, I'm yeah. pretty sure. It's, it's, <laughs> anger is the fuel that informs me, man. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's I can't, that's why I wake up when I wake up, man, because yeah. I'm so mad at the world. Yeah. I just got to wake up because I can be angry at them. Yeah. If I'm sleeping, I got no way to be angry because yeah, I'm just unconscious. Like, yeah, we can be subconsciously angry. Angry. Like, it's not the same. You it's not the same. It's not the same, waves. man. It's not the same. That, that willful. You want to visually experience yeah. your hatred. You know, the other day I was at work. It was around three o'clock, and I still hadn't eaten my lunch. And somebody Ooh. walked by my office and was like, "Hey, aren't you hungry?" And I just said, "My hate sustains me." <laughs> <laughs> The second point that I wanted to make was that uh, a lot of these people, the, the the people that are at the head of these movements, the the more savvy ones tend to uh, they know how to pivot to some degree, right? Where it's like, oh, they they understand that the mob can only stay angry at a certain thing for so long, so they just keep finding new things to be angry at, and they keep finding new fuel for the fire. Yeah, yeah. So like. Yeah, maybe maybe his uh, his following will die down at some point down the road, but I think there will be a core group of guys that'll just or and I use guys not to mean specifically dudes but just people uh, who I think it's mostly guys though. I'm pretty sure um, it's mostly it wouldn't guys. surprise me. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so. I don't know. I could, I could see there being a good horde of angry women. I mean, I'm sure there are some. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Generally speaking, in the majority of it so all, from what we've seen, I think it's safe. It's a safe bet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we see in, in Gamergate the same type of thing, you know? It's like all these man children or whatever you want to call them. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right, right. They're just right. constantly harassing people <laughs> or liking things that they don't like. Yeah. And Basically, so they having, don't want to share their toys with girls. Yeah, exactly. That's what this they're is all up, about. They're getting upset at women who develop games because yeah. they're not they're not men or whatever. Yeah, these are probably the same guys get angry when women uh, do better than at video games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, when, absolutely, exactly. Yeah, probably exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, dude, chill out. This is why I don't play computer video games because I don't want to have to deal with situation with women being better than me at it. <laughs> That's one way to handle it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that honest confession, Shanice. <laughs> <laughs> At least the man pulls no punches. <laughs> man, that's almost, that's kind of punk rock right there, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Shanice is the realest one here, man. <laughs> the real deal, no lie.